When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is the Asian Madness Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, morbid, mysterious, and odd from the Asian continent. I am your host, Jessica. Welcome back to part 2 of episode 51. Thanks for coming back. And I get it, this case has a lot of historical context and some twists and turns, so I appreciate your support and your patience. For a quick recap, 19-year-old Pamela Werner was found dead on the morning of January 8, 1937, left in a ditch by the Fox Tower in Peking. Her body was mutilated, and it was suspected that the murderer had some kind of knowledge of anatomy. Doctor, surgeon, butcher, you get the idea. The Chinese and British police were working together on this case, but despite this being a high-profile case, they had no leads or suspects. They arrested a man named Pinfold, but that led nowhere. Now, let's continue on from where we left off. Let's discuss some of Edward Werner's thoughts and theories. Edward Werner was desperate for answers. It had been months since the murder of his daughter, and still, there was nothing to go on. He decided to be the detective on the case and hired a few Chinese agents to assist him on his journey. A lot of the following events may or may not be true, may have been exaggerated, or something else along those lines. The thing is that none of the people I'm going to talk about were ever charged or convicted, so it's really difficult to say definitively what happened. So, after Edward's detective work, they ended up finding a rickshaw puller that worked the same night Pamela was killed. And when questioned, his account of that night shocked Edward. Remember in part one, I mentioned that there was a rickshaw puller at the scene of the crime, 
seen wiping blood off the seat of his rickshaw. So I can't say for sure that this is the same rickshaw puller. And when questioned by police initially, he said that two foreigners had gotten into a fight on his rickshaw the previous night. But for argument's sake, let's assume it was indeed the same guy. Because what are the odds you catch two rickshaw pullers at the same crime scene both cleaning off blood? When Edward questioned this young man again, he gave a complete different account of what happened. According to him, he was working near the brothel area the night Pamela went missing, and he had seen a few western men carrying a woman into one of the brothels. She seemed conscious at the time, but a bit off, so he didn't think much of it. Also, since the rickshaw puller worked the area often, he became familiar with many of the people coming and going, including those men that he saw. They were regulars. A few hours later, the rickshaw puller was still there, probably waiting for customers to leave the brothel, kind of like a taxi lineup, I imagine. Then the same men he saw earlier come out of the brothel carrying the same woman, but this time she seemed really unwell, maybe injured or something. They order him to take them to a nearby location, which turns out to be near the Fox Tower next to where Pamela's body was eventually found. He allegedly dropped them off and was ordered to leave. Maybe he was initially worried about speaking the truth, so he made up a lie about two foreigners fighting on his rickshaw. Or maybe none of this happened and he just told Edward what he needed to hear. Who knows? Since then, Edward became utterly obsessed with pinning the murder on these foreigners, and he wrote lengthy reports and letters to the foreign office trying to prove his theory. Let's talk about these suspects now. These three men were known as pretty regular customers at the brothels. Wentworth Prentice, an American dentist whose wife and kids left to return to the U.S. a few years ago, reason unknown. He lived alone in an apartment in Legation Quarter, close to the ice skating rink. Joseph Knopf, a former U.S. Marine, who supposedly worked at Brothel 28. Ugo Capuzzo, a doctor who was attached to the Italian embassy and also happened to live with his wife and kids near the ice skating rink. Although these guys were his main suspects, Edward Werner also believed that a few other people were aware of the situation and even somewhat participated indirectly in Pamela's murder. So according to Edward's investigation, this is what he believes was the real story. So, remember the sketchy and mysterious guy Pinfold from part one? Well, because he's so shady and seemed to have ties with the brothels, Edward believed that Pinfold was, um, kind of a pimp for some reason. Pamela became their target. Maybe somebody saw her and they liked what they saw. So they figured, hey, I get what I want. Wentworth Prentice supposedly hired someone, possibly Pinfold, possibly someone else, to lure Pamela to his apartment after she left the skating rink. How they could have lured her there is really hard to say, but then again, this whole thing is guesswork. Edward believed that someone delivered a note to Pamela while she was still at the skating rink, pretending to be a friend of hers and asking her to meet them at their apartment. As we know, though, Pamela left at around 7.30, meaning she would have been late for dinner anyway. Maybe she took a quick detour. If she did, she maybe arrived at the destination and saw some strange men there, 
and not her friends. Edward believed that the two men, Prentice and Capuzzo, then tried to rape Pamela, but instead of scaring her and getting their way with her, she fought back hard and ended up getting quite injured, and the two men kind of freaked out. I guess in Edward's version of these series of events, the men were not expecting her to put up a fight, and having injured her, they were worried and panicky. It was possible that the trio were at Wentworth Prentice's apartment since he lived alone, and for some reason, they called up the third guy, former U.S. Marine guy, Joseph Knopf, for assistance. He came over in his car. The three men loaded an injured but still conscious Pamela into the car, and they drove off to the brothel, number 28, where Joseph was rumored to work at. It is extremely unclear as to why they would head off there, as it seems really risky, but maybe they had some sort of plan. In any case, it was not explained in detail by Edward. So, they arrive, and that's when the rickshaw puller sees the men get out with a woman who appeared to be not doing so well. Could have been drunk, could have been sick, but he wasn't going to get nosy, that's for sure. Hours later, around midnight, the same men reappear with the same woman, who seemed to be alive but clearly not well, as she was breathing heavily and possibly crying. They headed directly to the rickshaw puller, and Capuzzo got in with the woman, while the other two went on foot. I suppose the rickshaws aren't exactly roomy or spacious, so this made sense. When they got to their destination, which is presumably around where Pamela's body was later discovered, Capuzzo basically ordered the rickshaw puller to leave while he waved a knife at him. After the rickshaw puller left, the three men then proceeded to kill Pamela using a brick from the wall. It was late, and luckily for them, no one was around, so they attempted to dispose of the body. Edward thinks they tried to dismember the body by the side of the road, but either found it too difficult or were maybe spooked when someone did happen to pass by. So that's what happened according to Edward. I have a million questions, but I will discuss those later. When he came out with this theory, people wondered about the rickshaw driver. Why did he lie to the police? Or maybe he lied to Edward to give him the story he was desperate to hear. Either way, here is a quote from the book, A Death in Peking, that could answer your question about many of the Chinese witnesses. Quote, If I go to the police, I shall be examined. At any rate, I shall be held for a long time. My affairs may suffer. Better to say nothing. Then, no trouble. End quote. I think this is kind of true, though. Chinese people tend to not want to meddle in other people's business, and for various reasons. It's likely that the rickshaw puller did not want to get caught in the middle of this as he would be detained and questioned, causing him to lose business. And that means losing income. You may think it's wrong and selfish, but on the other hand, when people struggle to make ends meet, it's not uncommon to prioritize a bit differently. Anyway, Edward believed that even the police were suspicious of these men, but for some reason they were unwilling to arrest them. Actually, Edward believed that the police were bribed by some of these brothels, so clearly, if that were the case, the police would be very reluctant to name them as their suspects. One source did state that the police did attempt to question Wentworth Prentice once, as his name popped up during their interrogation with Penfold. They presumably visited Prentice's apartment one day and found that he had all his windows and doors open in the middle of winter, 
Why would he do that? He said that his landlord had painted some of the walls, and he was just trying to air the place out and to avoid having it smell like paint. Okay, makes sense, but a little bit strange. When asked if he knew Pamela Werner, though, Wentworth Prentice denied knowing her or ever meeting her. Well, that was that. What do you think about Edward Werner's version of the murder? Does it sound plausible, or do you think it's a bit far-fetched? Edward had so much correspondence with officials, but by the time he was doing his investigative work, the case had already been set aside. Police were no longer investigating as they did not have enough time or manpower for this, mostly due to the threat and invasion of the Japanese. I mentioned at the very beginning of the episode that there are two books written about this case, and these two books hold very different ideas on who the murderer was. This is always the problem with cases that are old as hell. There are so many different accounts of the actual story, and it's really hard to even say which one is correct. No one who was involved in that case, or was alive during that time period, is even here to tell us anything. It's mildly frustrating, but I'll just try to tell you as much as I can. London-born Paul French, author of the 2011 Midnight in Peking, studied Chinese history and Mandarin Chinese in university. His grandfather was stationed in Shanghai during the 1920s, and he himself also visited China regularly eventually living there for years. He explained in an interview that he had always been fascinated with the idea of foreigners living in China during the first half of the 1900s. He strongly believes in Edward Werner's version. Here are a few things from his perspective I would like to point out. Although he believes a version, it's hard to say if he completely agrees with the details on how it went down, but for sure he thinks that the three men were somehow involved. French's theory generally is the same as Edward's. Pamela was either lured or kidnapped to work for the brothels in the Badlands. It was Christmas in the Russian Orthodox calendar. Maybe she thought she would meet her friend. Maybe she thought she would be attending a party. Either way, she arrived and she was alone with some strange men. She fought back, was hit over the head, and maybe that was that. They moved her to the brothel where they either killed her or maybe she died after the initial blow. They couldn't dispose of her body at the brothel, so they did the next best thing. They tried to dismember her, took out some of her main organs, maybe drained her blood a bit, then dumped her lifeless body in a ditch by the fox tower. But what about the rickshaw puller? Was he really there? Did he really take Pamela and the three men to the wall? Did he maybe just see them enter and made up the second half? Or did he make up the whole thing? I only wonder because he said that Pamela was still alive when he took them to the wall, but I honestly have a difficult time seeing these three guys killing and mutilating her on the street. It's risky. It's dark. Not the best place to try to cut up a body. And yet, they managed to almost sever an arm and take out her organs. There was also very little amount of blood in her body at the crime scene, and I highly doubt they would have taken the organs and the blood with them when they left. What also reinforced both Edward and Paul French's belief about these three men was also the fact that Wentworth Prentice ran a nudist camp, or at least he was heavily involved in one. The nudist camp was also brought up during the interrogation with Pinfold, but it wasn't exactly news to the police. 
This was located just outside of the city, in a place called the Western Hills. The participants would gather and do whatever people did at nudist camps. I don't know, eat, sing, play sports, that kind of stuff. Not sure if this is common though, but they also did a lot of hunting while they were out there. And that solidified Edward's assumptions even more. All participants were foreigners living in Peking, which definitely included some well-respected foreigners in the community. It's kind of strange that this was something the Chinese police and government were okay with at the time, but maybe they were paid off to look the other way, or maybe they didn't really want to meddle with these weird-ass foreigners. And also, it probably wasn't really illegal, just kind of strange. But this nudist camp was not really like the others. It was rumored that they would either hire or force young women to dance naked for these men. And I imagine that many of these hired women could be from the brothels, trying to earn some extra money. So how does running and participating in a nudist camp equate to killing Pamela? Well, Edward strongly believed that they were kidnapping girls not just for brothels, but also for nudist camp performances. Someone who was down to exploit young girls and live a life of sin could definitely be a murderer, right? Well, that's what Edward Werner believed. It was also discovered later that Pamela, in fact, had gotten dental work done on her by Prentice a couple years prior to her death. If you recall, he had previously denied knowing her. Do you think he simply forgot? Or did he lie about it? In Paul French's book, he discusses Wentworth Prentice's sketchy personality, how he has a history of hitting on young girls. In Edward Werner's accounts, a young woman who claimed to have known Pamela during their schooling years came up to him one day on the street and told him that Wentworth Prentice hit on her during her dentist appointment. And not just her, but he had a reputation of approaching different girls, inviting them to parties, then the men at the parties would rape them, And not surprisingly, none of these young girls ever spoke up. For one thing, the men involved were mostly prominent figures of society. Wentworth Prentice was a Harvard graduate. I can absolutely imagine people believing everything he said because of who he was. Also, if the girls spoke up, imagine the backlash they would receive. Unwed young women involved in such activities. Even if it wasn't their fault, I'm sure you can imagine everyone badmouthing them. I mean, it still happens even today. Sexual assault. Oh, you were wearing a skirt? Were you making eye contact? Are you a woman? Oh, must have been your fault then. You get the idea. Here's something else that Paul French brings up. Remember the British consul at the time who held the inquest, Nicholas Fitzmaurice? Well... Paul French wrote in his book that the man was not on good terms with Edward Werner, and if anything, there was a lot of negativity and tension between the two. Could Fitzmaurice have become so annoyed at Edward's constant begging and wild theories that he just decided to dismiss all of his stories and accusations? That sounds utterly unprofessional, but then again, it's not entirely impossible. Sometimes personal interests and preferences can get in the way of official business. At the same time, though, Fitzmaurice did explain that all of Edward's claims did not hold up, that there was zero evidence backing any of it up. Now, 
let's discuss Graham Shepard, author of A Death in Peking, published in 2018. Something you should know is that Graham Shepard has a personal connection to this case. Consul Nicholas Fitzmaurice was actually the grandfather of Graham Shepard's wife. Despite the connection, though, Shepard never had the chance to meet him as he passed away years ago. But what did Graham Shepard think about Paul French's book? To make a long story short, he does not believe the three men had anything to do with Pamela's death. He simply doesn't believe there is enough evidence to prove this. And if there had been evidence, he does not believe that the police would never pursue these leads. This was a huge case. It made an entire community of foreigners uneasy, as these things simply did not happen to them. Wouldn't they want to close the case? You may argue that the people involved in the brothels and Pamela's murder are too powerful, even the police are wary and steer clear of them. And piggybacking off of this... Shepard also came to the conclusion that Edward Werner was conducting his investigation incorrectly. Instead of looking for clues and evidence that could point to the actual perpetrators, he identified his targets first, and then went about collecting clues to fit the narrative. Do you think this is the case? Edward was very traditional and old-fashioned. He strongly disliked anything that was even a bit out of line, so it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that he found these three men absolutely repulsive, which could explain his need to make them his target, and in a way, they fit his idea of uh, terrible human beings. Shepard believes that Edward probably had some sort of personality disorder, and if he were alive right now, he'd probably be diagnosed with something. Also, Edward Werner hired and paid people to investigate, and for their testimonies. Would it be possible that people were just feeding him stories just to get paid? Stories they know that would satisfy Edward? Okay, if Shepard wasn't on board with French's theories, who did he believe was the actual killer then? He's definitely not saying that those three guys were not visiting brothels or were saints or whatever. He simply doesn't think that they did it. His primary suspect is actually a young man named Han Shouqing. He was once a classmate of Pamela's when she was still studying in Peking, so they must have been in their early or mid-teens back then. According to sources, Han was very much in love with Pamela at the time, young love or something like that. Even if Pamela did feel the same way about him, their relationship would have been pretty taboo for the time period as interracial couples were frowned upon. It was also no secret that Edward Werner himself disliked interracial couples more than anybody else. He described the kids born to a white man and his Tibetan wife as quote-unquote half-baked. Remember when I mentioned in part one that Edward once lost his temper and broke the nose of one of Pamela's suitors? It was this guy, Han. Pretty much just like Paul French, Graham Shepard honestly did not have concrete evidence to prove this theory either. It was simply this road of murder diverging into two different paths. One that leads to Prentice, Knopf, and Capuzzo, and the other one leads to Han. But here's what Graham Shepard believes may have happened. Han was enamored with Pamela, but maybe his feelings were not reciprocated, and for sure, Pamela's father did not approve of him. Maybe he harbored resentment. 
Or maybe he wanted to make a move now that she was back in Peking. Maybe he saw her at the ice skating rink. Maybe approached her as she was leaving. Maybe he lured her somewhere. Or maybe he followed her quietly as she was leaving on her bike. He could very well have approached her and talked to her, or he could have just attacked her from behind. The motivation was very likely sexual, and since Pamela knew Han, he was scared she would identify him if he left her alive, so he had to kill her. Shepard believes she was killed there and left there, that there was no intricate plan in her murder. No kidnapping, no moving of her body, no dumping of her body. It was basically Occam's razor, simplest explanation being the right one. He believes that the theory Edward came up with was way too complicated, and that taking Pamela, murdering her, only to then be, quote, dumped at a spot a few hundred yards from her home, rather than somewhere else in the city, is far-fetched at best and one of the more fanciful of Werner's many fixations. End quote. I don't know. I just don't think people really know or deliberately plan murders. Many times, people don't really think about how they'll deal with it until after the murder. An important question to Shepard's theory, what about all the things done to Pamela's body, as in her missing heart? Well, according to some sources, whether the organs were really missing or simply damaged was uncertain. So maybe nothing was actually taken from her body. It was just badly mutilated, and it appeared to be missing. But assuming it was taken, it was a thing back in historical China where removing a heart symbolized revenge and love. It's difficult to say if that carried over to the 1900s or if that was what even happened, as that was actually used more in combat and in war. But it was a theory, though although I do find it a bit much. A young man crouched by the side of the fox tower, raping, killing, mutilating a woman, sounds like a major task. Maybe he was prepared for this. Maybe it was easier than he had anticipated. But in the end, it's all guesswork. What about all that blood that seemed to have drained from her body? Well, Shepard explains that maybe her blood was not really drained. When people die and their hearts stop beating... It basically stops their blood flow, and it does not get everywhere. So it's likely that she may have died from blunt force trauma to the head, and all those cuts made to her were post-mortem, which would explain the lack of blood. It was the 1930s. Forensics and science still had a long way to go. So, what happened to this young man? Was he ever on the suspect list? For a while, yes, he was. Some did believe he could have been the rejected lover seeking revenge. And what was weird was that he seemed to have dropped off the face of the earth after Pamela's murder. Was Edward even suspicious that Han was the one who killed his daughter? Maybe. But Shepard speculates that he may have only heard of this theory after his hunt for the three men had started. And as a proud and traditional man, he was unable to see any other theory aside from his own. Shepard also stated that, quote, If Werner admits it's Han, he has played a role in creating the rapist and murderer of his own daughter, end quote. Meaning him being violent to Han, you know, breaking his nose, indirectly caused his daughter to lose her life. Edward did acknowledge Han, though, but believes that he did not disappear, 
and that he was actually killed by Japanese soldiers. Edward documents this, quote, I now know that Han Shouqing was really killed, and that the rumor that he had changed his name and succeeded in escaping is false, end quote. Whose theory do you think makes more sense? There's actually another one. The fox spirit. In traditional Chinese folklore, there is a mythical creature that can cause harm, and it is referred to as the fox spirit. This fox spirit actually fits into this story because it's the fox tower, and that's where the name kind of comes from. So the myth itself is pretty long and complicated, but long story short, being superstitious people, a lot of local Chinese people believe that she may have been taken by the fox spirit, which would also explain the mutilation and the disappearance of her organs. Now I'm just going to ask you again, which theory strikes you as most plausible? Edward spent the rest of his life trying to prove his theory. Eventually, the Japanese took over Peking, and a lot of the foreigners that were living there were gathered up and sent to detention camps in other areas in China. They were considered enemies, and the camps were pretty much used to, quote-unquote, forestall espionage activities. Unless you were old and frail, you basically were rounded up and sent there, no exceptions. This also included Prentice, Knopf, and Capuzzo, and of course, Edward Werner. Imagine being Edward Werner at this time, believing what he believed, and having to face these men that he believed killed his daughter. There were times Edward would confront the men, yelling at them, that he knew what they did, but most people kind of looked the other way and accepted that he was an odd old man. The three men would also avoid Edward as much as possible, possibly because they found him annoying or were feeling guilty? I don't know. When the war ended and everyone was free to go, Wentworth Prentice returned to legation quarter in Peking, but died soon after in 1947. Werner was very old then, and sadly for him, the police were no longer willing to revisit his daughter's case, and in 1951, he finally gave up and returned to Britain. He died at the age of 89, and since he had been away in China for so long, nobody attended his funeral service. Oh my god, that really makes me sad. The two authors, Shepard and French, have been very gentle with each other despite not agreeing with each other. Paul French was into history and the Chinese language and culture. His book was written in a rather dramatic fashion, more appealing to the audience. Graham Shepard was an ex-police officer. He uses a complete different way of thinking and rationalizing, looking at crime scene from the perspective of law enforcement. It's great that they are able to bring this case to everybody's attention almost a century after the crime, and although the odds of solving this case is close to zero, it is still worth looking into. So, there you have it. Who do you think did it? Or do you think it could have been a mixture of their two theories? Or do you think it was the fox spirit? I'd love to know if you have your own thoughts on the case and if you have a complete different theory. For all we know, she could have been the victim of a random crime, although unlikely. Some say she could have been murdered by the Japanese as retaliation for one of their own getting murdered, and some have said she was mistaken by the Japanese for another woman who was anti-Japanese. There are so many possibilities, but it seems like we will never really know for sure. 
Pamela was also buried at the British cemetery along with her mother, but that place is no longer a cemetery. It was destroyed in 1948, all graves dug up, bagged, and taken elsewhere for relocation. Whether Edward was right or not, I have to say I feel very sorry for him. He did what most parents would do, try to get to the bottom of it. Maybe he was obsessive, but I can't blame him for that. With that said, thank you all for coming back for part two. It's been an intense few weeks of research, but I am very happy with how it turned out. Thank you again, and stay safe. Till next time. Before I go, I want to thank the following people for their reviews and Patreon. Thank you, Emily L., for your Patreon donation. It means so much. And for the reviews, uh, from the Philippines, Demented Chris. And from Hong Kong, my friend, Eugene H., and from the U.S., Mara Vlad. I think you updated your review because I really remember your name from, like, a few years ago. So thank you all very, very much. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. When you visit Arizona... Time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.